Hi, Lydia Jones, and welcome to the first episode of my podcast. Uh, this is something I've been testing and trying to, to get into work for a couple of weeks now. And uh, welcome. Uh, so tell me more about yourself. Uh, tell me where you come from and everything. Hi, thank you for having me. So I'm from Liverpool. Um, I previously have founded, founded multiple startups. I've worked in product manager roles, UX roles. Um, but I'm, I'm currently the, the founder of a platform called House Reads, which is a marketplace for international students to book their accommodation in the UK. So we source and match them to, to the right landlords or accommodation providers. Okay. Um, so how do you get into the whole startup eco, eco structure here in the UK? Yeah, so five years ago, um, I dropped out of school, didn't really... Found, I didn't find where I fitted in, in school um, and I trained a lot in the gym. I was really into working out okay. um, and through that I discovered that I wanted to create a platform for like-minded people in fitness and for those people to be able to connect, to share their goals. Uh, so this is kind of back in 2014. I kind of wireframed the initial idea and then went on to further develop that. So I launched a platform called FitFlash. Uh, we had over 20,000 users. Uh, yeah. We got that through influencer marketing. Um, my role as a startup founder switched from UX to code to marketing um, to everything else. Like, like it seems to happen. You wear multiple hats. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, I grew a brand ambassador team when I was working on Fifth Flash. So we had 140 brand ambassadors across 30 countries. Um, and yeah, we, we had good traction. So... Uh, my my journey into founding a startup was through my own problem. Um, I worked on Fifth Flash for two years. Our competitors that were based in London at the time had raised significant rounds of seed investment. And ultimately, uh, we watched them raise the capital, burn the capital, and totally pivot their platforms. Yeah. So we started to see the retention on our platform drop. And when we were asking our users why, the question was because uh, the answer, sorry, was because they were getting more yeah. traction for their content on the likes of Instagram, where Instagram's fitness scene was really starting to boom. Um, so I kind of five months after that, I decided that I wasn't going to continue with Fifth Flash. I went on to found another platform called Troops, which hey. We were just co-founder of mine for around 12 months building this super intelligent algorithm, um, which happened to be our MVP. We couldn't do it any quicker than that, yeah. um, which matched people by the hashtags they frequently used across social media, all in one platform. And you could simply uh, boost contents who match the same social DNA profile as you. Uh, so it was really about virality and targeted performance. Um, I worked on that for a certain amount of time. Uh, we went through and we had numerous different mentors. I didn't think we had the right mentors around us. And then no sooner had we kind of found um, the initial MVP, got the initial feedback, uh, we, ha we had to pivot because then Instagram launched Instagram's hashtag algorithm which which you may now know where you follow hashtags um, and that's where everyone gets their engagement from on posts. So I went from Fifth Flash into Troops. That was the name of that platform. 
Yeah. And then I went from troops into a platform. Uh, me and my co-founder are coming back from Boston. We both went to visit family who happened to be first year students in, in, in university. Okay. We stayed the night in their halls and we experienced this huge disconnect of when you move into university as a first year, you haven't got a clue what's happening. You can hear yeah. a lot of music in these halls of residence. Um, and no one really knows how to connect. The Facebook groups just don't nail that. Um, Facebook groups and halls are mainly used for maintenance requests. Yeah. Uh, so we decided we were going to create a platform which is now called Housemates, but it started as Whole Hang. And we launched Whole Hang. We got our initial usage. Um, and we found out that the majority of our users were international students. And through that, um, we actually, when we started digging deep in the data, these were people who were finding our platform, downloading us, but hadn't necessarily even booked their accommodation yet. Mm -hmm. um, so this was like very early in the student journey. So through asking more questions and really getting to know our users, um, we the, the team changed a lot. Um, what kind of like eight months previous to that, my previous CTO left, it was just me. Um, as I'm collecting all this feedback, I then went on to be a product manager for a company in London. Mm -hmm. um, and I started kind of subcontracting the, the development side out. And I was just working mainly on the product, the UX and the UI. Um, so we rebranded from Whole Hang to Housemates. Me and Marius, who is now my co-founder, he started off as a freelancer a year ago. Yeah. No. Habilitation through the platform because a lot of the students were booking us that early. They hadn't yet discovered where they wanted to live, uh, but they knew when they get to the UK, uh, there was going to be a huge disconnect anyway. So our branding changed, our business models changed, and our platform changed. So a lot of changes in, in, a, in a year. Um, but yeah, it, here we are today. So we've got international students using it, as well as UK. Um, we have some of the biggest partnerships we can get. And the private whole sector um and we're just in the process of launching our landlord dashboard as well so, so where is it um so it works throughout all the whole throughout the, the uk right it's not only in liverpool or yeah so you can use it in london you can use it in manchester what we are trying to um to understand is okay is the tipping point for each city where we get with the flow, the booking flow is nice and there's a lot of forms. So the supply in our case is accommodation. So we kept our social side of the platform. We just improved the UI and the actual, the functionality of it. Um, but in regard to marketplace, our focus is there at the moment. So we're trying to sign as many landlords up, as many private student halls as possible. Um, so when a student searches their city, say for example, Birmingham or London, there's more than 10 properties available to take a look at and book. Hello. Hello? Yeah, I, I think the connection is kind of break it breaks up from time to time. That's why I'm just being quiet to, to see if, if something comes through. Um, okay, uh, so um, can you tell me um, how uh how how is the adoption how is uh so it's pretty pretty much like the platform housemates is something like airbnb you sort of like have listings of different properties but it's basically for students here in the uk 
for all around the UK. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so that, that's a really good example. We'd love to be anywhere near the success for the, that Airbnb's been. Um, yeah. But the example would be a student uses housemates. They um, come across a listing that they like a property. They really like the property. They can send the landlord or the accommodation owner an offer as to what they would like to pay for that. That landlord or accommodation owner can come back and either reject the offer, give a counter offer to try and negotiate that further or accept yeah. it. Um, once accepted, let's use that use case, that property is set as their home. So that student in preparation for the move in the case of an international student can see the neighborhood and everything that's going to offer as well as the other people who are going to live there too. Okay, so it's, it's more developed in, also, in more that, tailored around the actual experience of the actual person and the students. Yeah, yeah. So it, it, we, we're trying to look at the holistic lifestyle uh, and the journey of a student. Um, long term, we want to work with lots of local businesses to increase our needs um, and obviously help businesses understand the footfall of students into their, their cafes and their bars and their restaurants. Um, but yeah, we are we are looking at that journey as a whole, and that, that is our our company mission is to improve the the student lifestyle experience as a whole. So, from your experience so far, uh, which one was the hardest part of your you know journey up to this point? I see you dropped out of, of out of high school. I think it was uh, you dropped out of school. Yeah. And maybe maybe that's something that has been super hard. Maybe to 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 be accepted by your parents or by your friends, by your family. Uh, which was the hardest? you know point in your in your journey so far so you know, a lot of people ask me is dropping out of school hard for me school was that miserable that it, it seemed like the best thing at the time when i came when i was in school like my it teacher was never good anyway but when i i, I never knew that i was going to be in tech so when i came out of that environment that was very negative and i just couldn't, couldn't really find the right friends I found my own, really. So I found what my interests were. Um, I had much more my final year. Um, I sat on my exams externally. I had the time to really work on me. I think, um, obviously, being young, there's advantages to being young and there's disadvantages. Um, but the experience and the knowledge that people give you um, and consider your your thoughts on things as well so i think age has been something but that's a variable that i can't change um based up north it, i'm currently based in liverpool i used to work down london um the tech scene isn't as big here um investors are, are scarce they're not as easy to, to kind of meet for coffee as they are in london they're also quite risk adverse as well um so yeah there's a there's a few things but i think changed geographically but more expensive um for me and marius to be based in london but then you have much bigger overheads like office space and salaries so yeah it's just trying to manage expectations and reality really but what, what about from your personal uh perspective you said that from a branding perspective as a as a professional as an it developer that is trying to build up you know uh expertise and trying to build up their skills uh, from high school, you said that, that there's nothing more that you can learn. So you thought that, you know, jumping out of school is going to be a better opportunity and actually getting onto developing projects in, in the startup industry. 
So what from a personal perspective, do you have any doubts above, about, you know, uh, am I supposed to do that or what are, what everyone's going to think about it or, you know, how is it, how is it going to be perceived or is it just more like something from the inside that said, uh, you know, the, the surroundings around me are not the, the ones that I, that I want and the ones that I, you know, set up my targets higher or what do you think about that? Yeah. So for me, my, my background is, um, my dad has always owned his own company. My brother and sister have. So I come from quite a different background than most people in the sense of um, entrepreneurship, if you want to label it that, or starting things from scratch is actually encouraged instead of um, taking the university path. Um, My sister went to university, uh, university. she done business studies. and she didn't really feel like she could, she could actually apply that to a real business because it's completely different. Um, so, yeah, I think I've been, I'm very fortunate in terms of family and friends around me. Um, in, in terms of h- how do you get over being young and being in tech? I think probably one of the best advantages is with being young is you don't have um, as much risk, right? So. I don't have I don't have a mortgage. I don't have huge huge expenses. So with not having those expenses and that lifestyle, I can invest a large amount of my time, if not all my time, into learning as much as I can in, in my sector in my industry. Um, and that's really what I've done for the past five years. I think it comes down to dedication in order to get over um, the the environments in which you're put in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So from your perspective, do you think that maybe because it's something that I've been doing on, on my own, like uh, from having different uh, ventures and testing different ideas and new uh, new ventures and new businesses, because my parents come from a similar experience. Like my, my dad is an entrepreneur and he's doing he's actually, you know, uh, pushing me towards finding my own way. So maybe that's something that that I can see based on my friends, you know, some of my friends are like care of us. They don't want to take the risks. So uh, do you think from your experience that maybe if your parents were not support, as supportive or uh, giving you the example that if I have, um, you'll be jumping so easily into the tech environment and startup world? Uh, so I think it would be much harder for me. One struggle that I have had is all my family are in construction. That's the industry that they've been in. So obviously the return on investment is much it, it, It's, you know, there's like a near enough 100% profit on the food margin. With with construction, you're used to building the foundations, building the house or wherever the commercial property is and getting paid for that service and instantly making money. Yeah. With tech, uh, especially when you're a startup founder, um, that journey is very different. It's more like you, you work a lot, <laughs> an awful lot. And then um, in most cases, you will need to raise capital. Um, unless you're really significantly well self self-funded and um, the business is making money but in most cases that's that is not the case when we look at the tech media in general so startup founders in tech then have to raise capital and then everyone liquidizes so every time you raise capital you're getting a smaller piece of the pie so if you take my family um they've never had to because all their businesses have been self-funded they've never had to take capital from any investor so even raising capital is something that they struggle to understand or they struggle to understand how 
um, how long it takes to build a product in tech, the development side of it. Um, I, you know, what, what code is, I think it's that whole, um, education piece around kind of teaching family members and friends, what that process is in tech that just doesn't apply to retail or construction or anything like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so would you say that, uh, you know, the, the tech world and the, the startup scene here in the UK is, um, you know, is more developed, let's say, or is it something that is in its infancy? Because the, the businesses that have been working there are more traditional, let's say real estate and, you know, consulting agents. There's a lot of boom into the, you know, tech world, especially here in London. But um, do you think the adoption, like overall adoption through like young people from your perspective is, uh, that's something that people want to do and they want to build up the next Facebook and stuff like that? Or is it something that is, you know, too high risk and too low of a reward? Yeah, I think that that's a good question. So if you think about the UK, we've had like so many success studies like lastminute.com, Skyscanner, recently Monzo. Um, we've got all these amazing, um, that, that started off as a startup because they've got to start somewhere companies that go on to float or be, become a, a huge valuation. Um, I, I meet a lot of people who say they want to start a startup and, you know, they're sat comfortably on like a 50, 60,000 pound a year salary um, and are one, scared to live life without that salary and two, haven't got a clue what it's going to really entail to raise capital. Because one of the main issues is, and I spoke about this recently on my own podcast, is we, we read TechCrunch or we, we read Mashable or any of these tech um, that it's easy to raise a million pounds because everything's 30 million series A, B, C. Series A is just a, a terminology that's just used like, like as if it's nothing. Um, and then when push comes to shove and you actually become a startup founder and you start to understand what an investor really, really wants out of you and how well do you know your market? That's probably a three, you know, three to five month piece of research that you should know and be able to answer every question. So even raising seed capital is hard, but I think a lot of young optimistic people think they're instantly going to raise money and feel disheartened kind of six months in when they can't because they haven't got enough traction yet or they haven't validated the business model yet. Um, so I see a lot of people on both sides of the fence who want to start it and do take the risk and then realize that the investors in the UK in general compared to America are a lot more risk adverse that that's just how it is we, we don't yet have um the kind of 2000.com boom mindsets where everyone was throwing everything everywhere money-wise um or even the mindset that's kind of um the cultural mindset that they have in San Francisco and Silicon Valley we haven't got that um, but I think that's because London's been built on stocks and shares and, and a different market with data. So I, I meet a lot of university people who are just coming out of university, finishing up and, you know, they're kind of drawn between, okay, what should I do now? Should I invest all my time and not make a lot of money and build something great? Or should I take that kind of 30,000 pound salary? And in most cases they take the 30,000 pound salary um because it's short-term success and then kind of two three years later when they've got a, an apartment and they've got to pay rent that seems to be the time that they actually want to go and build the product that they want to build and then they've got so much around them that it becomes much harder to do so 
Yeah, they have they have a lot of overhead and you know, they're starting getting into the lifestyle of, you know, having three, four, five K a month salary and, and you know. Yeah. Just just paying for the car, paying for the apartment, you know, settling down, having a girlfriend and everything around that. And uh yeah, it's it's I think it's kinda like a mindset. Um people are not um willing to give it a try at least or to see what is gonna happen and they're kinda, you know, risk adverse and you know. Maybe it's from yeah. the parents around. Maybe it's from the family. Maybe it's I don't I don't know. But um... yeah, for, for me, um, back in November, I resigned from my job as a product manager, um, and I was on like a really good salary. Um, salaries are better down south than up north, anyway. Mm. Um, I started as a as a product specialist, and I worked my way up, and I was promoted like I think it's five six months. manager everyone was saying it was a great success um and the money was great and then i realized if i stay in this for too long i'm going to get really comfortable and i will always work for someone else in the meantime uh housemates was getting quite a bit of traction um and i knew there was a lot more to be discovered there and and taking that risk and quitting my job um from that position was a big life change um but yeah it, it's one that i think a lot of people struggle to make yeah, definitely something I can relate to. Um, I think throughout my life, like most of the time, I was actually making more money while I was working to for somebody else. But on the inside, I wasn't feeling as happy to, you know, yeah. chasing my, my dreams. So I was always, you know, going back and forth between getting hired by someone and earning a lot more money than earn, like trying to make it something on my own. But um, yeah, on the inside, at least you're going on the right track. It's something better. Even you don't see the financial result. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's from my perspective. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I agree. It's all about taking the risk. If you've got friends and family, um, who are supportive, it's much easier to take that risk. Otherwise, a lot of people think you're losing your mind when you want to leave such yeah. a great salary, um, yeah. to, to kind of going from that to freelancing a few hours a week, just to kind of pay your small overheads to keep going. Yeah. So yeah, that transition's hard. So, um, what do you think was the most, you know, viable experience so far in your life or like a most viable advice or, uh, like, like if you have a mentor or something, who was the person you were looking up to? And that's a lot of different questions. I know I'm, I'm, you know, shooting right now, but, uh, if you want, you can just start. Yeah. So over the last four months, I've been working with, uh, someone called Rajesh. Rajesh used to be uh, a venture capitalist. Um, he resigned from venture capital around six years ago, I think. Um, and ever since then, he's he's been helping startups really understand um, how to get investment ready, what makes a good pitch deck, what makes a, a grade A VC business plan, um, and that process. And when I started the process with Rajesh, as a young enthusiastic person, I instantly, you know, I, I remember sitting down with him saying, "This process, I'm going to get this process done in under a month." Um, and now, you know, we're just wrapping up on the process and we're going to investors at this stage. Um, but when I started it, I thought it was going to be easy. Um, and my, everything was totally different. Like my pitch was different. Um, what I thought about my market was different. I had one business model. We now have three business models. Um, I, I couldn't answer half of the questions and through going through, going through the process,
it really hit home to me how much I didn't know about what what investment ready actually means. Um, and like a lot of people think, oh, I've got a pitch deck, I've got 10 slides, I've got a great product, that's it. Um, but there's a whole piece, like the average investment, like the, the minimum amount of time it takes is like three months of due diligence and back and forth between you and the investor. Yeah. And in that time, they're going to be absolutely pulling that plan apart and all that research that you've worked on and every business model, have you validated that? How close are you to validating that? And you've got to be able to answer those questions. And I think it's not until you meet someone like Rajesh, uh, and he's probably been the one of the most valuable mentors I've had in the last five years, um, who actually does what he says he does. Um, there's a lot of people that say they can help and they can't help or they oversell themselves on LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he's delivered a lot of insight. And now, um, weirdly enough today, I found out literally about 10 minutes before this call, uh, there's a there's a startup competition called the F Factor, which is founded by the ex-CEO uh, of lastminute.com and Simon Cowell. And it's like, um, it's grant money, so £10,000. And you have to pitch a startup. So I was going through this process with Rajesh and I applied last minute. I got through the first stage and then I went to the semi-finals. And I've just been told that we're in the regional final. Um, so that, that's great news. But I, yeah, I generally feel, um, I generally feel that we wouldn't have got here without Rajesh because he's really broken everything down and in our last pitch we actually pitched to a VC um and yeah the the amount of questions I asked like about our market like what does Brexit mean to so student accommodation and EU student migration all those questions we actually had answers to because of Rajesh's process so yeah definitely Rajesh has been um an eye-opening experience for housemates for sure Congrats on the uh, congrats on the going to the you know regional finals and um, is the show going to be what uh, you know televised or is it going to be on TV or is it already now? So, I don't actually know. I know that uh, the regional finals. I think it's five regions it covers. So I'm representing the northwest. If we get through, I know that's in person. Like we've got to do a pitch deck. Um, we're going to have some pitch coaching from the F Factor themselves. Um, and then when we get through that, there's the actual final, which is held in London. Yes, for the final in London, uh, there's a, quite a few interviews from like the Times uh, and a few other media outlets as well uh, to, to get the coverage for it. So it's going to be great exposure if, if all goes through when you get it to Yeah, like last year's winner, um, I forgot her name now, but... Anyway, she won and she got the £10,000, which is great. Uh, but in, within a matter of months, she raised over like £200,000 from angel investors. And she went on to be featured in Forbes 30 under 30. Yeah. So like a really good uh, experience and exposure for sure. Yeah, definitely have to take most of it. And, you know, um, we actually have some issues with the, with the audio. From what I'm hearing, I see that you are talking. Hopefully, we're going to have it on the recording otherwise. It's gonna sound blurry, but never mind that. Oh, don't worry. Uh, uh, so yeah, definitely congrats on that. That's 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 great news. And 
hopefully going to make it into the final and you know get the most out of the exposure and the whole experience because especially as as a young person as you are you know it's going to be super valuable to go through the whole process and yeah from my experience yeah because i was i was involved in, in startups back home in bulgaria um the hardest part was the actual investment part so you actually stop everything you don't develop that much the product anymore it's, you just go into the you know uh searching for investment mode so that's you know that's something that you've been working so hard for and your mentor has been helping you so that's that's great news yeah i agree a lot of founders find the balance hard because finding investors is hard and then when you get an investor and you do get the yes that kind of two three months of due diligence depending on what type of investment it is whether it's angel or vc um that that kind of puts the development of your product as as a ceo position you, you're not really involved in that because you're constantly looking at term sheets and cap tables and everything else that isn't the product so yeah i, I agree with you it's hard so do you have um do you have any questions do you have any do you want to say anything more or uh from from what i've heard you've been in a quite an interesting journey you know ever since 15 dropped out of high school and getting through the journey of the startup scene here in the uk do you have anything to add or do you have any recommendations for people that might be interested in joining your 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 route and joining the startup scene here um yeah yeah so i think in the uk we've got a few really good accelerators so like seed camp tech stars and the majority of them are based in london and um, we haven't really got a great accelerator in the north of england um I, i've been through and a few other ones based on like chambers of commerce type but i feel um i feel like an accelerator gives an exceptional experience um, you know, a lot, everyone looks at Y Combinator and the experience that they get on the on-site program and the success and the case studies that come out of Y Combinator. They're the same thing is, is coming out of Seacamp and Techstars. And, you know, they, for a founder, they take less equity. You get a lot of different support from different mentors. And ultimately, they're trying to help you grow as fast as possible. And, and, and help you sometimes from that initial idea, depending on if they've invested in an exceptional um, founding team who they believe can really deliver on the proposition. I think accelerators are a great way. Um, I think get, you know, I think one of the key things people reach out to me and say is that they struggle to find the early adopters for their product. And I think there's two things to that. There's one, are you actually the consumer of your own product. So are you solving the problem for yourself or someone else? If you're solving it for yourself, it's much easier to find your early adopters because you most likely know where they hang out, what communities online they, that they tend to go to. Um, and when, you, when you're solving it for someone else, that journey becomes a lot, a lot harder and a steeper learning curve. So my advice would be to solve a problem that you've experienced firsthand or even a family member's experience, because that way you've got a, a nice and easy feedback loop. Um, and then it becomes a lot easier to find those early adopters. So in the form of Facebook groups, Slack groups, Reddit um, communities, it's easier. And once you get the initial feedback, that makes the whole product cycle 
um, run smoothly. Otherwise, it, you're just kind of building something that you think the world wants, but you don't yet know if the world wants. Yeah, so you're wasting more your time and your resources, money and everything. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, I think another one would be for those people who feel that they aren't in the right environment, whether it's geographically or the people that are around them, don't have the mindset that they have um, to get mentors. I think LinkedIn is an amazing tool, but LinkedIn, when your idea stage isn't necessarily an amazing tool, because when you reach out to people, uh, they want to see something, right? So at yeah. least have a, a landing page if you're going to use LinkedIn to find mentors. But in the case of you, be an idea stage. Um, I think mentoring yourself in the form of self-education with books and podcasts. We on internet. Um, the internet has been my best friend for the past five years because it's really helped me understand um, my industry and and connect with the right people. So I think it's just a matter of le leveraging the resources that are free in most cases around us. So um, you said books, and uh, you know, are you are you do you have any favorite books that you know helped you grow uh, the fastest in terms of mindset or in terms of you know facing challenges or any courses or anything like that? Yeah, so uh, a few books. So we've got Ben Horowitz, the hard things about hard things. So Ben Horowitz is the the founding partner on. Um, Andreessen Horowitz, the venture capital firm based over in America, one of the biggest VCs and most successful VCs. Um, you know, that book really talks about his journey um, as a startup founder with complete honesty because he, he's taken companies up to a billion and floated and um, now puts that money back into helping the startup community. So he witnesses and has been there himself with the entire journey. Um, from the, the highs and lows of what, what that is daily for a startup founder to recruiting and hiring your best friends and raising capital and um, going public if you get to that stage. All those things are covered in that book. So that's an amazing read. Um, I think another one is Lean Analytics. can't remember the exact author because it's got two authors on the book. But Lean Analytics, if you search on Amazon, talks about... Um, I would say it would be version two of the lean startup, um, mm -hmm. but it, it's much more focused on analytics. So um, multiple experiments at a time, A-B tests, you know, how well do you know your data? Um, even when that data is 10 people using your product and how do you take that and how do you scale with that? Um, so lean analytics is a book that I always have um, on my desk and I kind of use it to reference and go back to because um, it's just, I kind of look at it as like a, an analytics Bible in terms mm -hmm. of growth. Um, I think one of the best things as well, um, this isn't book-wise, but this is a, a, a YouTube channel. So in Europe, there is a growth hacking, not growth hacking, they're called growth tribe, which is the term for growth marketers, growth hackers, growth hackers. Uh, they're Europe's leading academy. So they started off with two people. I think their team is 70 people now. Um, and what they do is they actually go into organizations like Google, like Facebook, or even into my organization, if I had the capital to do so, and train the, the, the 
out the entire funnel, not just one part of the funnel. Um, so I think as a startup founder, because you're constantly switching roles um, from UX to UI to, to partnerships to code, whatever it is, yeah. um, Growth Tribe really showcased how to make the most out of a little resource and how to grow a product um, through virality, referral programs, um, all those little things that I don't think many startup founders know or understand when they first start out. Yeah, definitely some good resources that I, I haven't actually heard about. So I'm going to probably put them in the, in the links uh, when we share that video, uh, that video and that uh, audio. So um, do you have any final thoughts? Do you have any, anything you want to, to know or, you know, discuss? Um, I think that's everything. It'd be great if, if anyone who listens to this goes and listens to my podcast, um, yeah. which is called The Lid Period. It's actually on my LinkedIn as well. Um, I've got the same handle for my Twitter, for my Instagram, um, and I interview guests uh, like yourself and everyone else on it as well. So a lot of startup founders who've gone on to be successful. I also talk about my own journey. So it's always great to connect. And if anyone who listens to this has get, has any questions, um, well, feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to speak. That's great. Thank you very much for, for your time, uh, Lydia. And um, we're going to link that the, the podcast down below when we finish okay, the, great. the talk. Uh, so everybody's going to be connected. I'm going to probably link the, the profile in LinkedIn as well. So uh, it's going to be easy to reach. And hopefully this whole talk has been of value to at least one person and, you know, push him over the edge to follow his dreams or her dreams uh, to, to the startup world or to any other endeavor they have or any struggle they have right now.